0: Well, the Lord's blessed us in many ways, and what it all amounts to is he's given us his word. So let's turn, as I mentioned, to Romans chapter 5. And before we start in Romans chapter 5, let's take a moment to pray. Avinu Sheva our Father in heaven, we thank you for this word that you have given to us. We thank you that you speak through this word and that for us it is life and health, and, and peace, and that you bless us through the council in its pages. And Father, today as we read your word together and as we see at least a glimpse of what it has to say in the verses we cover, we pray that you might speak to our hearts and draw us closer to you, and that you might warm our hearts and set aflame that fire of love and devotion and service to you, that we might bring glory to your name. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Through him, we also have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and boast in the hope of God's glory. And not only that, but we also boast in suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh who was given to us. Could have taken a much bigger chunk of Romans chapter 5 today or even done the whole chapter, but I felt that these verses speak to us beautifully about the reasons that we have for hope. Because we have a God who is a God of hope, a God who gives us a future, as the scriptures say, who has good things in store for his people. And these verses are not verses of thundering condemnation from heaven, but are Paul, Rav Shaul, revealing the heart of God for these Roman believers. They have a lot of reason not to have hope, Things aren't necessarily going that well in their days. There are tumultuous events afoot in the city of Rome. It is a difficult time. The Roman Empire is far from as stable as we might think it is looking back through millennia of history. But in fact, it is an empire that constantly has power struggles and problems without the grease, you might say, of periodic elections to change the leadership, there is a constant struggle for supremacy and people are dying in these struggles and there are persecutions and there are wars all the time in the Roman Empire. The Roman believers have had a difficult time in their kehila and their congregations in the city of Rome. And maybe... When they came to faith in Messiah, they had high hopes that Messiah was coming in their days. In our prayers, we say, may he come speedily, even in our days, the Hebrew prayers. And there is that hope. But Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 might explain quite well what the believers of that day are experiencing. Where we read, in those verses, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is definitely a problem that was faced by the people of Rome. But the verse goes on to say, But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It's Chaim. Every time the Torah scroll is lifted up and presented in a synagogue, we sing, It is a tree of life to all those that grasp hold of it. There is indeed hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but it is a tree of life to those who hold on to it. Rav Shaul in Romans chapter 5 has, is, is turning now from addressing all kinds of issues with sin in the congregation between the Gentiles who are sinners and the Jews who are sinners, all who are condemned before God because of their sin, and all who need to look to what God has done and said that there is righteousness available just as it was to Abraham. And now he looks at the believers in that congregation. And as Rav Shaul imagines them, and as he writes this epistle to them, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have been justified by faith. Or as the Tree of Life version says, we have been made Righteous by trusting. It's an amazing hope that Rav Shaul is turning our eyes to. This righteousness that has been imputed to us, that has been credited to us, simply by our trusting, not by our measuring up, because Rav Shaul has been at such pains to tell these people who are already believers None of us really measure up. But simply by trusting, we have been made righteous. We could turn to Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6, and Jeremiah writes from a very difficult time just before the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6, we read about the days that are coming. Let's start at verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, the Tzemach David, the branch of David. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name in which he shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. There is a day when we will know, when the nations will know, and when clearly in the city of Jerusalem it will be known that the Lord is our righteousness. It's a beautiful picture that Rav Shaul puts before us. And it reminds us, really, of the picture in the book of Zechariah, at the very end of the book of Zechariah, where we read that in that day, the same day that Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, is speaking of, in that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord, Kadosh Ladonai. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as bowls before the altar, and every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy, Kadosh, to the Lord of hosts. Kadosh Ladonai. That's going to be a wonderful day. And Rav Shaul points us towards this kind of righteousness, which is imputed to us even now. As if we today already have inscribed upon us, Kadosh L'Adonai. God has determined that we, not mere pots of gold and bells of silver on the horses of Jerusalem, But we ourselves today, with all of our shortcomings, have nevertheless been decreed from on high as kadosh ladonai. It's an amazing thought, because there are many times when I don't feel that holy. Sometimes, maybe in moments of uh, self-grandeur or whatever you might call it, I might think that inherently in myself, I might have some form of holiness, but that's not the holiness that we have. We have holiness that God has said, you are holy. Daniel is holy. Each of us here who have just trusted are considered by God. Kadosh, ladonai just like those bells on the horses in the city of Jerusalem in days to come. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing reason for hope. Because Rav Shaul is turning our eyes now to our hope. The second thing Rav Shaul says is that we have shalom with God through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. We know what shalom is. It's not simply hello or goodbye as we use it in Hebrew today. When you meet someone, you say shalom. When you say goodbye, you say shalom or you say shalom, shalom. Hello, goodbye. It's not merely peace as the world would consider peace. We're so busy trying to get peace in the world. So many U.S. presidents have tried to leave a legacy of bringing some form of peace to the Mideast and every single one of them have fallen. And all they're looking for is a political peace where people aren't physically, literally fighting each other. But this is the peace that comes in a heart that says this is a peaceful place where everything is right when you come to someone's house, sometimes you say "Shalom la bayit hazeh," peace to this house. When you enter the house, may there be peace. And you're not simply asking that there might be no fighting and no violence in that home, but you're you're asking that God might bring peace and rest into that home. That it might be a place where you can sense God's presence. And we can have this kind of shalom in our relationship with God, where we know that he loves us and we love him and it's an untroubled relationship because of Yeshua, our Messiah. We don't need to worry about God looking upon us and being disturbed and upset and maybe angry with us because no matter our failings because of our trust in him, There is peace and he loves us as a child, as a father loves his child. Even in the rabbinic record, we see um, references to this kind of peace from the rabbis of ancient days. Rabbi Joshua from years ago, the first century said, great is peace. For the name of the Holy One, blessed be he, is called peace. As it is stated, and he called it, that's Gideon's altar, Adonai Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is our peace. There's no real contradiction. There's only a more clearer revelation between them. Ancient Hebrew writers of Scripture and the Brit Chadasha, the New Testament, it is God revealing Himself more and more, Adonai Shalom, just as He was revealed to Gid'on or Gideon in days gone by. So He is revealed to us as our peace. He is the One who makes peace for us. Rabbi Hot. Jose the Galilean said, following up on the first comment, even the name is called Peace and his name is called Aviad Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. We have a Prince of Peace. You know where that comes from? It comes from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The name of... The child who would be born is called Prince of Peace. I think it's worth reading uh, just briefly. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He is our Prince of Peace. What a wonderful Messiah we have. And how wonderful that Rav Shaul brings these things in and tells us that we have peace through Messiah, Yeshua. Now, the third thing that gives us hope is that through him, we also have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and boast in the hope of God's glory. Um... Now this is kind of fun to me. Debbie and I met um, an archaeologist at this conference. His name is Randall Price. He's kind of like the real Indiana Jones. You know Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the uh, and, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's a striking figure, striking features, uh, quite tall, taller than me for sure. Uh, very sharp in his suit, uh, the author of The Stones Cry Out, author of another book, The Temple and Bible Prophecy, who spent significant time working on the archaeological digs right outside the temple area. Vandal uh, Price is well-known as a believer, and, um, and he showed us a sign he gave us a lecture on why the place where the temple is to be one day is exactly where we might think it is. And he basically put the kabosh on all these other theories that say the temple should be here or there or somewhere else in the city of Jerusalem. And there are quite a few wacky theories out there um, that, that people believe in. But the temple is exactly where you might think it should be, at the top of the mountain, where there is today something else instead. Um, He showed us a picture of a sign that the archaeologists found that used to be right over the gates to the temple, showing that this was a gate and certain people were not allowed past this point on pain of death. Access to the holy of holies, to the holy place, was something that was severely restricted and was restricted by God's command. You couldn't just walk into God's presence in days long ago. Of course, God was omnipresent and people everywhere could lift up their voices and pray to him. But there was a place where his name was specifically set And God said, you cannot go there. And there were signs keeping people away from the holy place in the temple, even from the inner courts. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 tells us, as we know well, the fact that now we have access into the holy of holies. Therefore, brothers, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Yeshua, by the new and living way that he opened us for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. A place has been opened up for us to go. And we are allowed, invited even, to come right into God's presence and to be where he is, where his name is. And Rav Shaul says that through Yeshua the Messiah, we have gained access by faith into this grace. And we have a hope. We can stand in that. When we come into the presence of God, we're not coming in on our knees and groveling. But we are actually standing in the presence of God reverentially to be sure, but God made us and he loves us and he invites us into his presence as people standing on their feet. We stand in the place where God has invited us and we boast in the hope of God's glory. We have wonderful hope set before us we have wonderful things to look forward to. And even in this life, we have wonderful blessings. And so we have access into the holy place and we have the ability to do so. We have the grace, the empowering grace of God. So there are three reasons to have hope. We have been made righteous through trusting. We have Shalom with God through Yeshua. We have gained access and boast in the hope of God's glory. What a wonderful blessing has been poured out upon us. But now, Rav Shaul turns things a little on their heads because he now addresses this whole problem of suffering. And like I said, the Romans have suffered a little bit. The believers have suffered. And as I've mentioned, the Jewish believers have been cast out of the city and now are back in the city, probably with their tails between their legs. Things are difficult. It's not an easy time in the city of Rome. And Rav Shaul understands that. He's someone who's gone through suffering. He knows what it's like. And he says, not only that, but we boast in suffering. And the first time they read this, you can imagine the eyes widening in Rome. What is he saying now, that we boast in suffering? This is an f- amazing change of tone. This is a different approach. How can we be rejoicing in suffering? it seems difficult it's completely against everything that we we think of today we we try to avoid suffering we spend our lives trying to avoid difficulty and trying to achieve some point, some kind of tranquility in our lives we want our lives to be calm we we you know we we want the 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 family, we want to grow old with kids around us. We want everything to go smoothly, to have an adequate retirement. We're very thankful for our healthcare system that looks after us. And, and we expect and hope that everything will go well right until the end. But things don't go well in our lives. Our lives go topsy-turvy. And I know that none of us here in this room can say that my life has gone exactly the way I would like it to do because it just doesn't. We find it out in school when we're very young, second, third, fourth grade. I remember in England, fifth form. I think that's like second grade or third grade. Um, working so hard trying to get my grades up and at the end of the year, the teacher kind of looks at you and you get your report card and it didn't turn out. <laughs> And why didn't it? It just couldn't get it together. And things don't turn out. And it it starts there and it gets much worse as life goes on. We have a lot of troubles in our lives. But Rav Shaul says rejoice in that. He's not talking about uh, being giddy and silly about it. But actually boasting in our suffering, because actually it is part of life. It is something that we're not going to be able to avoid, but it is also something that's going to bring good in our lives. One of the ways people try to avoid suffering is by going into addiction. I shouldn't say it in the sense that it's intentional that people go into addiction. I don't think it is. I don't think people wake up and say, I think I'm going to be an alcoholic tomorrow, or I think I'll go on to start taking heroin and, and kill myself that way. People don't do that. But there are so many addictions in our world, and people suffer, and they try to deal with their suffering by what, People call self-medication. And it might feel okay at the time, but it kills. Eventually it kills. If it doesn't kill the body, it kills the soul. And one of the aspects of trying to avoid pain, trying to avoid suffering, is that people who are addicted stop growing emotionally. They end up, you know, if they've been an addict for 10 years, at the end of 10 years, they're no more mature than they were at the beginning of their addiction. And so when they begin to come out of addiction, when they begin to seek recovery and healing, they've got a lot of catching up to do. And it takes a long time. It's not an overnight process. But when we go through suffering, When we accept that suffering is actually a part of life and say, I'm not going to try to avoid it, but I'm going to boast in it. I'm going to say this is something, however it came into my life, that somehow I will allow it to cause me pain, but rather than being crushed, boast in it. We actually grow through that. We actually develop as people. We actually begin to see some of the fruits that Rav Shaul speaks about. Suffering produces perseverance. We grow. We become more mature. We become better able to understand other people who are going through suffering. We are able to empathize. We are able to minister to others. We become better confidants for others to be able to trust us because they know that maybe we can understand. And we become better able to handle the struggles that will come later on because it doesn't get easier as we go through life. It gets more difficult at times. Suffering produces perseverance. We learn how to get through suffering. But perseverance also produces something else. It produces character. And this is one of the beautiful things. As we get older, sometimes we lose the beauty of youth. But in the other... I don't think I was ever beautiful, by the way. <laughs> but we also... We, we gain something in character. And you can see this in people who have suffered and who have endured and gone through it. Their faces begin to reflect what God has done in their lives. God does great things. I think it was possibly Harry Truman, president of the U.S., who said, I don't blame a person for how they look when they're 20, but when they're 50 then they can be blamed for the way they look. Because it does actually have a, a difference in how we, we appear. There's a beauty that comes from inside that affects our appearance. Perseverance produces character. We grow. We become more like our Lord, our Savior himself. We begin to take his character Upon us. He was one who suffered as much, if not more, than any one of us here. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The one who laid aside his glory to live among us, to live among humanity. Surely that was an incomparable loss to go from heaven to take on human form. And yet he endured that suffering, even to the cross. A character also brings something else. Character produces hope. And once again, as we go through, and as we keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua HaMashiach, the author and finisher of our faith, The one who lived a full faithful life so that we can look at him and we can basically see how it's done. And Rav Shaul spends much space often pointing to Yeshua. We look to him. We see him. And we are encouraged. We have hope because Yeshua died and he rose again and he sits on high. And just as he sits on high, there is hope for us. And this is the beauty of the resurrection, and this is why Rav Shaul always brings it in. Because it's not just the death of Yeshua, but it is his resurrection that tells us that we have hope. There is indeed hope for us. And so we are told, and this is our fifth reason for hope, the Spirit Is our hope. First of all, hope does not put us to shame, Romans 5 and verse 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I'm personally encouraged by the Ruach HaKodesh who has been poured into our hearts so that we might know God's presence even in our own lives. I remember very well when I was in my 20s and struggling in various ways, spiritually struggling. I know very well those times when I wanted to bolt, I wanted to run free. I wanted to leave all of this faith in Yeshua behind and just live my life. And at those times when it was really difficult, hearing the voice of the Spirit in my heart. And I know that the Lord speaks to us all in different ways. My experience is in no way a template for anyone else. But I know that the Spirit is there. I know that He speaks. I know that He is a witness in our lives and that he draws us back to himself and back to the Father. We have God's love poured into our hearts. He pours it in. It's a wonderful thing. We experience that pouring of God's love into our hearts when we open the scriptures and when we read them, and our soul is refreshed. We experience that, when we pray and when, as we pray, we begin to feel. Sometimes it's a feeling, feeling connected to God, somehow breaking through and experiencing that relationship that we have with God. It's not always a feeling. Sometimes it is simply that fellowship with other believers that reassures us that through other believers, as they talk to us and as we share in relationship, we are encouraged. We are experiencing the love of God being poured into our lives. And our part in it is simply to open ourselves up to allow God's love to be poured into our hearts. The Lord is there. He is knocking at the door waiting for us to open the door so that he might come in and dine with us. This pouring of God's love into our hearts is through the Ruach HaKodesh who has been given to us. And here Rav Shaul is not saying that you need to have this amazing blessing, this second blessing or anything like that. He is saying to all the believers of Rome that to us, the Ruach HaKodesh has been given to us. All of us take part in the Ruach of God being in our hearts. We are all his and his Ruach HaKodesh is a seal of his presence in our lives. We are his and he is ours. And so we are clearly told by Rav Shaul that there is hope. There is hope through his, through being made righteous. There is hope in having shalom. There is the hope of God's glory. There is the hope that comes through suffering and that actually brings hope as we develop and grow through that suffering. And there is that hope that comes through the Ruach HaKodesh who was given to us. We have been given great blessings from Hashem. We need to be reminded of that in and out, day in and day out. We need to live in that because God is a God of hope. And for all of us, he has a hope laid up in heaven. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, who is the mediator of this new covenant, whereby we have hope, whereby we have access, and who, like us, has suffered, and yet has shown us that even in suffering, there is hope. Father, we pray that we might be able to live as people of hope, even in the midst of trial, setting our eyes on Yeshua, our Savior, the author and finisher of our faith. We pray this in his name. Amen.